to your mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like bacon steaks and cheese it's philadelphia bow and shield in the cut kicking it cooler than two penguins still bows old arch nemesis greg cosell shows up and it gets real pull up a branch and chill it's time to get ill with some birds with friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bowolf and Shukapati are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. Birds I'm gonna have friends. the rest of my life with these kids. Birds wow. Get, we gotta get that in a drop uh, immediately. I was editing that one out. That didn't come out quite There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. The one of birds with friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And welcome to a Thursday evening edition of Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, and Sheila Kapadia here. Sheila, how you doing? Well, it feels like like the seventy fifth time this year where we've been like, well, should we do a show? <laughs> should we not do a show? Um, so it's uh, you know, I guess just sort of the nature of the year. We were uh, we were uh, obviously a little uh, conflicted today. I know many listeners chime in and say they they love that we are uh, a distraction from other more serious things. But you know, I think like we had said previously, there are times where you sort of don't feel like being the the distraction to the more serious thing. So I think we were on the fence and then there was some uh, serious Eagles news. And this is what we get uh, paid for is to talk about the Eagles, write about the Eagles. And so, uh, you know, this is going to be sort of a uh, hodgepodge mishmash. What's the uh, bow year? You have, you have a good vocabulary. Those are both, those are both good. Those both are. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so we will, uh, we will get to everything and um, there will be, I'm, I'm sure some, uh, some light moments. We'll get to the, the serious stuff as well. And uh, we'll try to, Mix it all together if you, uh, you know, give us feedback. If you think this podcast, you listen to it and think this was a terrible idea or you think uh, you were glad we did it, then uh, certainly let us know. But uh, certainly no shortage of stuff to talk about today, that's for sure. Well, there is, there's plenty to talk about and you said that well, Sheila, but you didn't answer the question, how are you doing? I mean, really, who cares today? More, <laughs> I'm not, I, It's very true every day, but really, who cares today? Okay, well, uh, we do have a lot to get to. We will, uh, we will talk about the Andre Dillard injury in uh, full. We'll break that whole thing down, what the Eagles do, what it means for their season, what it means for Dillard moving forward. And uh, Sheila got to see practice today, so we'll get his thoughts on some takeaways from uh, seeing this team in action. But let's start with, um, you know, what you said, Sheila. Like, sometimes you don't feel like being the distraction. And I think that was sort of part of the message from the NBA players on Wednesday. And we didn't know if that was going to mean the Eagles were going to practice today on Thursday as they – uh, you know, would they take the lead of the NBA as, as several other NFL teams did and not practice? And then we had a chance to talk to Rodney McLeod, Carson Wentz, and Jalen Mills after practice, and they explained that uh, they never really considered the possibility of not practicing. They had a, a sort of a memorable and open discussion Wednesday night that was started by Doug Peterson and uh, McLeod, Zach Ertz, and Mills each spoke. Uh, at least those three guys all spoke. And uh, they said that uh, they didn't think, McLeod said at least, that they didn't think that not practicing would really uh, make much of a difference. And, and they're sort of looking to make some kind of tangible change. And they have this social justice committee that meets on Fridays. Um, Zach, what did, you, what did you make of that? I know we both got to practice this morning and I texted you guys, like I didn't think they were going to practice. Um, and so we got there and you know, I was, I was incorrect. They were practicing. Did you think it was weird? What did you make of the whole aura there today? Yeah. So I, I texted you um, probably in, in like the nine o'clock hour 
saying I'm curious whether they even have practice. And I, I was curious. I, I, I didn't know um, when we got there. A lot of people had that, that same curiosity. I don't want to speak on, on your behalf. You said you were surprised uh, when we were speaking. Well, you know, the, the, we had no media this morning. And so far during camp, we've had some kind of media availability uh, every morning. And so I thought that was some kind of signal that maybe they weren't going to practice. And I was, I was, a, I was a little bit surprised, not shocked, but I was surprised yeah. that they practiced. Today. So I, I could see it either way. Certainly I, I could see the argument that, that when we were discussing it and I thought, I thought you brought up a good point, the symbolic nature of, of being supportive or lending kind of the endorsement, if you will, of what the NBA was doing. Uh, I, I do view football practice different than, than an NBA playoff game. Um, if they were to not practice today, it would be symbolic, but really the, the people who, who would be affected are just the people on the field. When, when there's no NBA playoff game, you know, that there's a game scheduled, it's on TV, people are planning to watch it. Uh, I think that, I think not playing that a protest of, of that really resonates. Um, so I, I thought what, what Roddy McLeod said after practice and, and, and I, I think you you quoted him there uh, was a good way to put it that, that they want what their actions to do to, to make change to, they want to do things that, that create change here. Uh, They didn't think canceling practice would do it. That's not to take away from what was it seven or eight teams who, who did, but in, in conversations with those players after practice, it certainly sounds like they're being thoughtful about this. Was, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I can, I'll read you what, what Rodney said on that front. He said, uh, it was something we did consider, but what's most important is that we want real action to take place, right? And so just canceling the practice and telling everyone to go home isn't the message that we want to send because what are we going to do with that time? How are we going to fill that time with something impactful and something that's going to make a difference? And that's what we used some of the time earlier to decide as leaders, and we have an action plan that we will put in place moving forward. And that's sort of relating to the meeting that they have on Friday, which we sort of touched a little bit on yesterday. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about. Yeah. I mean, with this stuff, there's like no, there's no good answers, right? It's, it's not like this team was right. This team was wrong. I mean, everybody is trying, uh, you know, for the most part to do the right thing. There were six teams, the Packers, Cardinals, Titans, Colts, Jets, and Washington football team who called off practice uh, today, but of course there was the Detroit Lions, right? Sort of, you know, mm-hmm. they were even before the NBA, right? So right. Uh, that was the the seventh team there. I think Zach's point is a good one. You know, I, I think the NBA, obviously, their point was to, I mean, part of their point. I mean, there were there were so many sort of reasons for it, but the big thing was you're really going to bring attention to it if you're saying we're not playing these playoff games, uh, you know, that, that's a big stage, you know, that's national TV. Uh, this is sort of, you know, games that everybody's looking forward to and NFL practice in August, uh, you know, it, it's probably not going to get sort of the same type of attention, um, the same type of press, unless like Rodney McLeod said, unless like during that time you're doing something else, you know, if they, if, if Rodney or somebody else came out and said, instead of practice, we have the media here, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, or this is the message, you know, and there are cameras there. Well, you know, maybe that would have been a way to handle it, but this all happened very quickly. I mean, we're talking about a span of what, like 14 hours uh, between when sort of what happened with the bucks and the Orlando magic happened to when the Eagles were reporting for practice. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the big, 
point here is that it's not like they're sitting around saying we're not going to do anything uh, mm -hmm. because they didn't cancel practice. I mean, they, this is, has been ongoing uh, for, you know, a couple of years now, long, maybe longer than that with this organization, with uh, players who have sort of come and gone and now other players who are sort of taking the torch. So um, no, no issue. Sort of, like I said, there's, there's no right or wrong answer with this. And I think that's an important, um, you know, factor here is that this is an, an organization where the players uh, at least feel like they're being listened to by uh, you know by the owner and by the the organization so um, you know the fact that you know it, I, I don't think that it we need to give the Eagles as an organization like too much credit some of this is sort of table stakes what they should be doing and you know Doug opening up the floor last night uh, to to have an open discussion an open dialogue on race is a good thing it's a it's a good thing for him to be doing um, I, but, you know, it was the first time they did it since the spring uh, when that was sort of a virtual one. So this is the first time they were all together. And Jalen Mills said uh, he appreciated that because he thinks that like as a, you know, rookies or younger guys would be afraid to speak up about these things because obviously they're, you know, they're worried about one false step is, is you know, going to lead to them getting cut. So uh, I do, I give Doug credit for that. And it sounded like that was uh, something that they all appreciated at least. And uh, as Carson said, like, it sort of paved the way for them to uh, be able to practice and then get back to uh, the conversations after practice. Well, what did I, I, I would be interested from you guys. I was not on the call with Carson Wentz. It sounded like he had some uh, pretty uh, poignant. Is that the poignant? Do you pronounce the G? Yeah, you, you, you do not pronounce that G. You don't poignant. A... Poignant? Poignant. Poin. Poignant. Right. I'm just never yeah, using I thought... that word again. It sounded like he had some interesting things well, to I thought say. In, in Carson's case, what stood out to me was I found him to be very self-aware uh, and I give him credit for that. You know, he, I mean, f uh, first off, he was honest about the fact that growing up in North Dakota, um, he was not around a lot of black people. He didn't have a lot of black people in his school. And, and he said that, that he kind of chose not to think about these issues. And then he said early on and, and, he said he's he's growing up and he can't use the card that was that was the way he explained it the the card mm -hmm. of being from North Dakota anymore that that he he does need to become more aware and he 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 does need to understand it and he does need to uh, you know, uh, to be empathetic and a lot of the things he was saying today um, exhibited kind of an, an understanding of of things that that might not affect him directly but but affect his teammates directly and affect his friends directly uh and i thought it was interesting just to juxtapose this carson to what we saw in what was it in in may 2018 when um and again uh a white house visit it, it pales and it's 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 apples and oranges compared to what's going on right now but when the white house visit was coming up and the questions were coming up uh, Carson really tried to avoid those questions. And I, I think what he, he, he said then is uh, I don't really mess with politics very often. And I think what's going on now is not a political thing, but what I perceived then from Carson is he wanted to stay away from anything that was even remotely either kind of controversial or polarizing in any respect. And I think what you're seeing now is, is what he said. He's, He's growing up and he realizes that you can have some humanity taking on these issues. 
Yeah. So I'm like, uh, I think that's well said. I'm, I'm, I'm wary of like giving the white guy too much credit for listening, uh, to, you know, things he should have been paying attention to before. And like, you know, not giving uh, Rodney McLeod and Jalen Mills enough. Well, I was uh, just answering Shields' what, question. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that to you. Yeah. Um, but I do think it is like it's notable that Carson has moved in this direction over the course of time. Like I think that does matter. I think it's sort of a. It is a sign of progress, and it's also notable. Like in the, you know, in the staid conservative NFL, there aren't that many, uh, you know, white quarterbacks who are as vocal as Carson was today, I think. Um, so I think he, I think, I think not that he gets credit for it, but I think it is notable. Um, and, you know, for Carson, who is uh, coming from that background and, you know, the way he says it as uh, you know, because I am a follower of Christ uh, in like the example in the Bible is you, you run toward the people who are hurting and this is a community that's hurting. And so like, he's trying to help, you know, in, uh, where like, in a country where religion can be weaponized in a way that is uh, not following that direction at all. I think it's uh, not commendable, but like, I think, I think he gets some credit. And, and, not- and, and just the thing I, I, I would add too, because I, I do agree with you that, that, you know, that in, in terms of listening to the message, I, I, I think there are a lot of other people's whose, whose, whose message should be heard. But Carson has a platform that is unique Absolutely. relative to other players. And, and so when the franchise quarterback chooses to use the equity that he has on something like this, I do think that matters. Only thing I would uh, take issue with there, it's not a competition, but um, just what you said, Bo, about not a lot of other okay, white yeah. quarterbacks stepping up. I actually think this has been sort of an encouraging uh, time for that. I mean, we've okay. seen – you know, uh, your your boy Jared Goff, I know, uh, had something to say today. Oh man, we do have to have a hard knocks conversation at some <laughs> yeah. point because that guy some is point, just yeah. a melting ice cube. You know, Matthew Stafford was there at the uh, forefront with That's the right. Lions. Aaron Rodgers had Joey some, Burrow. I saw his tweet. Joe Burrow, I, yeah, I, I, had, uh, I believe Tannehill I had, a had a great tweet. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's unfair. Um, so it's unfair it's, thing for me to say. Baker Mayfield, you know, he he. Sort I'm of just not following those guys as closely. I, no, I, that's I, why I, you have the national. national reporter on. You know, so I thank goodness for you. Fill you in, but you know that if if you kind of want to turn any of this into. I mean, actually, I'm not even going to say that because that is like <laughs> small, uh, small potatoes or whatever. But if we're just talking about the NFL's view of this and uh, who's stepping up and being vocal and who's showing support and who's not, um, you know, I, I guess that has been from that perspective an encouraging sign to see. Uh, I think a lot of these young quarterbacks, you know, saying this isn't, um, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. a uh, black person problem this this is all of our problems and we need to uh play a role in and and i i think back to um the 2017 season when when i mean malcolm was doing so much uh and i mean always always did so much and and when when chris long lent his support and i think it was a preseason game and afterwards he was by his locker or or maybe it was week two and he was by his locker and, and he said, you know, I, I, I think it's important for someone who looks like me to do this too. Um, and I, I think you're, you're seeing that more and more in the NFL now. Uh, I want to get to what uh, Rodney McLeod talked about too, but what did you make of just from the, the insular uh, Eagles vantage point 
that uh, these were the three players we heard from today? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, clearly Rodney is, is the spokesperson on this and, mm-hmm. and, and we discussed it in, in yesterday's podcast. Uh, I think Carson wanted to be out front about it. Uh, there was no doubt. And there was a very interesting moment when he was asked a very uh, specific football question. And he said, uh, you know, uh, no disrespect, but I'm going to answer this very quickly because I want to keep the yeah. focus on the social justice stuff. Yeah, so so Carson wanted to be. He also went out of his way. He called uh, George Floyd's death. He, he said his murder, which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, made my eyebrows raise. So he did. He, I think it's clear that he he's not really he's not just like, uh, you know, in it to be the face. I think he's actually I think he is paying attention. No, and, and his longest answer um was the, was to the question you asked um uh, do you uh, do you want to go into detail about that sure uh i well you know he he um signed that petition to end qualified immunity that uh, i think was started by the players coalition had a bunch of people in sports including zach Ertz, sign it and you know he said um He's got, you know, he, he's got respect and admiration for lots of people in law enforcement. But just because, uh, you know, there are a lot of very good ones, he, he equated it to, he said uh, flight attendant. I think he meant I think pilot. He meant pilot. Yes. I think he meant pilot. It's a Chris uh, Rock like bit, the, yeah. Right, yeah, the pilot of, a, of an airplane. So, you know, if there's one bad one out of 100, that one bad one's putting lots of lives in danger. And he said even if, uh, even if there is, you know, somebody doing something wrong, they don't deserve to die for it. And, uh, you know, I would have liked to ask the follow up because you talked about you have like you have a weapon in your hand. You know, this is a guy who we've talked about uh, goes hunting all the time, loves guns. It seems like he has at least, you know, he has a respect for the power of that equipment. Yes. Yeah. That. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Did I lose you? No. 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 I. I. I think it's a different in conversation. This, in this, yeah. yeah. In these types of yes. conversations, we're all trying to make sure we're saying uh, saying the right thing. That I was. Mean, I was thought I cut out. No. There. I. I no. was. I was hoping the double. I, was, I mean, I was. Silencer. I was. I was ready to go for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I. To make sure. I was hoping she would I jump into that one. And, yeah. No. Jack and I are probably thinking the same thing. Obviously, if you have a license for a hunting. Um, you know, a, a gun oh, yeah, to hunt know, with just... that's, that's uh, different than, you know, other things we're talking about, but uh, I get the gist of what you're saying. You were asking about Rodney McLeod um, before about what, what Rodney said. And uh, I give Rodney a lot of credit um, for how thoughtful he is about, about change, you know? So, so when we were talking about Carson, I was talking about Carson being self-aware I think Rodney's kind of thinking about this on a, on a, on a different level even, and, and is, is really thinking about how they can make uh, some type of actionable impact. And uh, he, he put the onus on, on ownership of, of the, of the 32 teams. And I, I thought that was interesting. Sorry. I'm answering, I'm answering a, a Pete slack. This okay. Is, this is on to you, Shiel. Okay. Well, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I have much more unique uh, insight to add to it. I think there, there are a lot of people who uh, deserve to be commended and listening to, you know, Doc Rivers and uh, Chris Weber and, you know, seeing that LeBron James was uh, ready to just end the season, uh, you know, you know, knowing kind of from a professional um, 
perspective, what he has at stake. I mean, that should certainly uh, tell you something. And so uh, this is not something, obviously, that it, it would be great. It would be great if it would go away as in be, be solved and no longer be an issue. But we know that that's not the case, and it will continue to resonate throughout professional sports. It will continue to resonate uh, throughout the NFL season as, uh, you know, as sort of athletes and everybody else in the spotlight figures out how to use their platform to, to bring some of these things to light. And to that point, uh, if you just look at, at the Eagles in, in 2017, they were, and, and I would say they were an outlier, uh, relative to what you saw around the NFL, just in, in terms of, of their willingness to, to have these, these, these kind of discussions, um, and I, uh, they're certainly not an outlier anymore. So I, I think you, you can see if, if, if Colin Kaepernick taking the knee was, was five years ago last night, you can see kind of the progress or the evolution of the NFL from then to now. Um, I do want to read the, you know, you, you said that Rodney was calling on the owners. I want to read that, uh, that quote since we, you know, we both, had the temerity to uh, tweet the uh, <laughs> tweet tweet the entire quote, uh, and you've done better than me on the engagement, as Sheila was going to point out. Mm, yeah. uh, he said, uh, "In the incident of the George Floyd case and Breonna Taylor, there was a lot of traction. There was a lot of conversations had. I believe everyone was on board to move the needle. In the recent month or two, I feel like it's become somewhat of an afterthought. There hasn't been much push, I believe, and I think us as NFL players, the challenge is now on the owners. We want them to speak out on a lot of these issues that exist for their players." Just as much as we are held accountable and we represent each organization in a certain way when we leave this building, we expect them to now stand up and speak out on these issues to protect us as black men. And I think that is the message that we should, as players, should really enforce. It's that these owners not only support us privately, but step up and support us publicly as well as we're dealing with a lot of these issues that exist right now. We got to hold these police officers to a certain standard, hold them accountable. And until then, you know, we will continue to protest, continue to use our voice and continue to possibly take extreme measures. You're witnessing that right now. When have we ever seen a group of athletes decide not to play a playoff game? And that shows you the magnitude of the situation that people are fed up and enough is enough. Uh, the one thing that has been sticking with me that Ronnie said is, you know, talking about the sort of the momentum that was lost from uh, you know the immediate aftermath of of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor until you know until Wednesday when the play, the NBA players decided not to play, um, like it, you know it strikes me that the the loss of momentum in some ways coincided with the return of sports uh, as a distraction and that's the thing that uh, like is is something that has been on my mind and uh, you know makes me conflicted. So it's just, I, I don't know that there's an answer. And Rodney was asked if he had considered not playing. And he said uh, he doesn't think that like one person can make a difference. It sort of needs uh, a, a big movement, whether that's a whole team or uh, a whole league. Uh, but he doesn't think that, that, you know, one person can make a difference. But it is, it is something that struck me. He was talking about how, uh, you know, COVID has been helpful in the capacity that it has forced people to stare at these things directly without distraction. And, uh, you know, the return of sports has sort of put the veil back, back on things in, in a sense. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, t it's tough to say sort of what part of that is 
you know, it, it would have it naturally loses momentum just over time as right. protests and other things um, slow down a little bit. And how much of it was, uh, you know, sports returning and being a uh, distraction there. But I, I certainly understand why many athletes uh, would be conflicted about whether they, I mean, you saw those conversations in the NBA when they were deciding whether or not to, uh, to go to the bubble, to go to Orlando and Mm. to do all those things. I mean, there were players who said, no, I mean, you saw George Hill the other night saying we shouldn't even be here. I mean, we can't, we can't do anything from here. And so it's an, I mean, I hate to keep, like copying, you know, it's, no, uh, no, I don't, I don't but, have an answer. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know which I understand both the sides of that. And, uh, you know, certainly the NBA was, uh, doing its best to, to bring attention to, uh, and then had a plan going into there. It's not like they totally just sort of abandoned it or anything like that. And when LeBron James is getting interviewed after games and talking about it, I mean, I, I do think that counts uh, for something and so it's hard to say what's right and what's wrong I would just say that I would I would say too it's 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 so multi-layered you know when you talk about kind of things that are on the consciousness of like a baklava of 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 players of of management of society at at large like there's a I mean we could devote a whole show as 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 we have to a pandemic that's going on too um, you know, I, you know, there's, they're trying to, to kind of have this season amid a pandemic. Um, clearly there are wide scale systemic issues in society that, that need to be discussed and need to be addressed. And, and then there's also kind of the day to day of, of, of these players livelihoods of the, these coaches livelihoods of, of, you know, everyone kind of surrounding this ecosystem in football that, um, you know, there it, it's it's not to say that that something should not be at the forefront, but but there are a lot of layers involved in 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 sports taking place here. Yeah, I think the point about the momentum is is like an important one because everybody can you know, or a lot of people can um, you know, a- after George Floyd protest and march and you know commit themselves to paying more attention and whether it's donating uh, time or money or those types of things. And then you kind of go on with your uh, life there. And, you know, it's not that you're not thinking about it. You're, you're doing things that you think um, will help and are right. But I think this is sort of the point of, uh, you know, what LeBron James is like, like it, you know, him sending his son out to go somewhere that's like a daily thing, you know, or right. like, uh, you know, my friend from my uh, ESPN days, uh, Coley Harvey, I, I suggest, yeah. uh, you know, look up his, his um, Twitter thread mm-hmm. that he had today. Great guy works Great guy. for uh, Fox Sports now. And, you know, he was going on a sort of a cross country road trip to clear his mind and what he has to think about before he does that, the conversations he's having with his parents before he does that, uh, you know, what's going through his head as he goes through certain parts of the country when he sees, um, you know, when, when I see a uh, cop on the side of the highway and hope that I don't get ticketed for speeding, that's a different experience than when he sees a cop on the side of the highway and hopes that he doesn't get ticketed for speeding. So it's just, it's like a daily sort of relentless thing um, you know, for uh, black people in this country that it, it, it cannot go, you know, it, it sort of goes to the distraction thing that we talked about at the top of this, like, 
you know, you understand why they don't want to provide a distraction because like they are not getting that benefit on a daily basis. It's mm -hmm. just sort of always there and this constant thing that they're always dealing with. And so I think that's the message that you've heard many, uh, you know, smart, prominent voices try to get across uh, over the last several months and that uh, we should continue to uh, listen to here going forward. All right. Should we talk about Andre Dillard? <laughs> we should. Uh, yeah. Easy transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach, I noticed you wore a t-shirt again today. <laughs> Correct. It was, it was a hot one today. Was... <laughs> did you go ahead? Shiel. Well, no, I did have some notes from your guy. You know, if we're just going to, this is like, <laughs> I mean, really, this is like when we would come back. I remember when we would come back from like a winter break in high school and uh, great history teacher. She would just like, you step in there and she's like, we're getting into it. There's no easy way to uh, do this. So uh, the two things could be, no, you know, they're very different, but that just sort of reminds Yeah, this me. is the demarcation yeah. of the yeah. show. Yeah. So if we're just going to jump into it, let's uh, jump into it. Zach, so I was listening to that uh, podcast and Zach, you like sounded surprised that Bo would like notice what you were wearing and bring it up. And I'm like, this has he does not been around this guy long enough. Like, I don't think I've ever, I ever stepped into a press box for a game where Bo's first comment to me was anything other than what I was wearing that day uh, to the game. No, it's, so it's I, more than it being fodder for the podcast. Oh, again, well, again, again, no reason I mean, to be yeah. surprised. Uh, I thought Zach looked good. Zach, it, it's not like a ratty t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Like, yes. I, I mean, no, gonna, of course not. No, I, I, I hope I didn't mean, I hope I didn't give thought, that impression. I thought it was, a, you know, speaking of short length, Zach's not afraid to go above that knee. I mean, he's no. Well, not only that, but Zach today, today. <laughs> Zach today went, went shoes, no socks. And so this was a full on really? like beach club outfit. Zach, you know, going, you know, uh, Maybe you're going to play some lawn tennis or something like that. I don't, I, I don't even know what lawn tennis is. Bo. Yeah, me neither, Bo. That's in your uh, hoity-toity going on vacation. I have no idea what yes. that is. I'm not so sure what it means either. I, was, I, didn't really, I didn't really land where I was going there, except that he looked like he was going, you know, he had a, he had a fancy summer outfit I thought he looked on. great today, yeah. <laughs> he he needed, it did look like he needed a cocktail, I thought. Well, I, I had football in front of me. That's all I needed. So uh, There you go. go. Uh, what, what were your other... Did you want to get your other podcast? Oh, my other thoughts? ones, yeah. I liked uh, when you guys were talking about mascots and uh, Zach. I don't know if this was exa his exact quote, but I cannot reveal that on Otto the Orange. I mean, really, how many years? <laughs> when was this? Was like a, I, I didn't even know Otto the Orange was like a person. I didn't know yeah. that was his name. And uh, you're still not willing to spell well, the, the Well, it's, it's supposed to be the, the, uh, the mascot is supposed to have a secret identity. And, and that's a big thing with the mascot. And I interviewed him and, and uh, I, I think he wanted to keep that uh, secret. Okay. Well, yes. listen, son, everyone can't always get what they want. So, uh, <laughs> you got to respect uh, Bo, your sources. The next, yeah, that's true. The, uh, the next time we do one of these, um, I think it's like for charity and, and we should do this soon, uh, you know, ask a question and they have to answer it. Uh, someone please ask Bo about Swoop. I mean, I've been trying to, you could tell there was something there. He wanted to sort of spill the beans, but he didn't. Uh, I don't know what the answer, you know, what this backstory is, but I, I would, you know, much like his previous job, um, you know, some of the other things we try to get out of him. Uh, I think that's sort of the next topic we should focus our attention to. Okay, Bo is silent. Okay. Tells you everything you need to know. Uh, Zach, I found the one article of mine you've never read. <laughs> which one i i, I guarantee you I've heard. Uh, which by the way i appreciate it it's really nice of you to uh, uh because you guys talked about uh 
Tyrone swoops. Ah, I mean, I got hold on. Seattle, I, I, I didn't read everything. Yeah, I mean, mm. Tyrone swoops. I mean, I had that was an ESPN article. Let me find the title here. Tyrone swoops tries to go from Texas 18 wheeler to Seahawks tight end. Mm. I mean, if that's not just generating millions of page views, uh, I don't really know. Well, I I'm out. a little surprised Zach didn't come across it, at least in his Googling when it has. When to be. I, 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 yeah. I, I did Google when they <laughs> like at the time they signed him. I, I didn't Google that. I, they were, I was in the car, actually, when we got that that message. And I just said former quarterback was with yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Uh, that's right. So uh, that that is the tough. For those of you who don't know, that's the tight end that uh, the Eagles uh, signed there, who has been at practice. A zebra shirt we got to. Let's see, Bo. I mean, light switch, electrical. What are you doing? Yeah, how about that, huh? Protect, protect yourself, you wild man. You got to. You got. I turned the you, breaker off. You got a baby on the way. You got one there. It's dangerous. You got to let other people do that work. Well, I mean, it was as it was as like introductory level electric work as you could possibly get. See, with that stuff, I always feel like, um, you know, and it I'm was contri- pretty easy. I'm contributing to a healthy economy. Like if I've still got a paycheck and there's stuff like that, I can help people with with work and not have to do it myself. I'm just never going to learn it. And, uh, you know, I, I generally a few bucks to do it. For I me. generally agree with that. I really think if I had like called an electrician to do this thing, he would have he would have la- laughed in my face. Oh, I'm used to trust me. There's I'm used to that. You know, as long as the uh, check clears, that's fine. Uh, Michael Jacquet, can you guys do like another? I mean, really, do we need to <laughs> devote a whole podcast to this guy? How many times has his name come up? Like most of the audience does not know who this person is. I just hope I hope you know, and you know, I might be uh, somewhat included. In that, but my gosh, his name has just cut over. Do you just like saying it? Well, Bo? you said like- well, gold, well, gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a hoot? But uh, you know, you you let you let slip today that you finally read that <clears throat> that breakdown of the uh, forty-one players on defense. So you know that. Jaquette's got those long, long arms. I do, I do know that now. You had his wingspan and everything in there. Yeah. I got caught up on all your guys' uh, writing uh, over the that last- That must have uh, been a terrible morning for you. No, that, w- that was great. I felt like I was learning things. I had some fodder uh, for the podcast. Bo, your voice levels, this is an issue. I don't know if anyone- okay. I, don't, I don't know if, if Marissa- You've gotten on me in the past when, oh, when, I, do, okay. when I do the, uh, you know, the, the really raising my voice thing. No, you, yeah. Is you, that the you, problem? You sometimes will mutter in a low voice oh, and well. then you'll and then you'll come out and you'll boom. So when you're like me and you enjoy listening with the windows down in a car, this is maddening. I mean, Zach is at a nice steady Welcome to uh, everyone in my life. Okay. Well, you need to fix that. We've we've got a <laughs> podcast audience of uh, thousands here. There's nothing Marissa can do about this. It's not like your levels are down. You're changing them with every sentence. So that's something you gotta work on. Uh, take the note and probably will continue to mumble. Very disappointed. This was like, how many training camps have you covered, Bo? Uh, good question. Nine, 10, 11, 12, I can't believe 13. Zach let this slide either. Yeah, 10, okay. t- 10, 10 or 11, 11 maybe? 10 or 11. 10 and probably. And after, how many practices this year have you watched? 10. 10, Ten how, how many have been like walkthroughs? Two have been walkthroughs, really so eight, eight okay. practices. So eight legit practices. This is shaping up to be a good rookie class. 
<laughs> I mean, are you serious? This is this is what you the mistake you make your first training camp. Maybe uh, I disagree. I totally disagree about you can't this. Be, you because can draw conclusions on a rookie class. Eight I said in. I said shaping up. I didn't say this is a good rookie class. Uh, and I like think qualified and I well, think Dan. the history of having been through so many training camps allows me to say that oh, the early returns the early oh. returns on this rookie class are better than the others. I mean, look, I mean, Jalen Rager is probably uh, Howie's best first-round pick since Carson Wentz now that Andre Dillard's – I mean, we can talk about Derek Barnett. But, uh, oh. I mean, it's there. I'm talking about volume because we've been screaming about the Eagles to draft for volume for a very long time. They finally did that. Okay, then in April it was their best rookie class before anyone even played. Okay, so volume. it's still shaping up. Okay. All right. I, I thought that I was defend a, that. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, let's see. All right. I think those yeah, were it's not uh, quite. It's not quite Brandon Gibson and Fanuki Tapu. The uh, oh Zach, I did. You know, I I was reading your story about Andre Dillard, and we'll get to him in a second here. Obviously, this is much more important. Uh, Andre Dillard and JJ Ortega Whiteside, and they both said, uh, you know, it's like night and day. Yes from their rookie year. And I was just thinking like in, in our years of covering football uh, as a second year player ever said anything other than night, it's like night, night, night and day from their first year. It's, it's like the other thing when you ask a, a coach or a player, you know, was it, was it this or was it this eh, a little bit of both to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So that's a valid uh, point. Those, yeah. Those were things that always uh, stuck out to me. Uh, Bo, you did a post where you, you did observations and you, uh, noted the play where John Hightower beat Darius Slay, and you're linking to Jimmy Kemsky's Twitter instead of giving my Instagram a bump there. I mean, really, what's is this a rivalry? Are you trying to really throw off my brand? I mean, talk about disrespect. Instagram uh, links are not are not as seamless on the app as Twitter links. You think, I'm do, thinking. Do, I'm thinking. Do I sound like I care first. about that? Do I sound like I care about that? I'm I mean, trying to put build that an bad boy here. on Twitter, and I'll give it a link. Instagram, Shield Kapadia. Give me a follow. You got to build my brand in all, uh, in all sights and sounds from Eagles camp. And then the last thing, I thought your most interesting note, Bo, in the, in the defensive piece, uh, Joe Osman's family owns the Mackinac Bakery on what was it? The Northern Peninsula of yeah. Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know this? Fantastic. Uh, I, I the, wanted to drive there right now. Nothing sounds there. There's there. The Big Mac is what is the, uh, I saw the donut, the guy. Oh, in the donut. I'm going to call Shua. A big, big honk. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm calling Shua yeah, uh, out on this. Uh, uh, in 2018, <laughs> the, the, the playoff run when like four different people mentioned Joe Osman that week, you know how he was getting them ready. And he, he was like a big story for three days. Do you remember this? Mike Rowe called no, him out. I was, uh, I was, oh, yeah, yeah I kind of. Um, Doug Peterson called him out. Uh, I, I think there he was, was the new Stephen yeah, Means. Yeah, it, it was like this. Oh, I love it the was, Stephen Means. It was, this, uh, it was this big story during that playoff week and, you know, did a thing by his locker. And, and one of the things was, was the bakery back home, similar to oh. Rick Lovato having the deli back home. Listen, you should know from working around me, uh, I ignore stories that, that don't interest me. And so what's your, <laughs> your, 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 your judging a bakery. What's your, what are you judging it by? What's your number one thing? I don't know. That's like a tough thing to answer. Is there an obvious answer here? It doesn't, isn't Michigan like a really nice place to visit like the In Northern the Peninsula. That sounded great to me for like an August visit. Yeah, I'd love to check out the Mackinac. I don't know. What's, what's your big thing? That's where Tom Izzo's from the Northern Peninsula. I like a, give me a baguette. 
A baguette? Again, hoity toity. Baguette. Lawn. What was it? Grass tennis? Lawn. Lawn. Tennis. What were you talking lawn about? Lawn tennis. tennis. I don't even know what that I means. I mean, God, give me a break. A baguette. That's pathetic. No, I, There's nothing better than a good I, baguette. I, I like a uh, baguette if I'm at like. Uh, what is a baguette? It's, it's, it's like a French roll. I know it's a, yeah. but what's like, it's a, what does it taste like? I don't, I don't think I've what ever you, had What one. do you mean? I don't You've never had, had a baguette? Had a baguette. Listen, me, me and the French, we got some issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm getting you a baguette. No, but I'm saying if, if, if I'm going to Shields a, next birthday, if I'm going to a bakery, I'm, I'm talking about like, like, do they have cookies? Do they have cupcakes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Bagels and donuts. A baguette. Bagels and donuts over yes. I would go donut, or donut and cookies would yeah. probably be like a nice big cookie. All right. Let's talk about Andre Baguette, Dillard. bagel, donut. That's my top three. Are we the only Eagles podcast, by the way, that is starting the Andre Dillard conversation at the 40-minute mark? Yeah. If you want to <laughs> talk so. to this podcast, please do. <laughs> Their left All tackles. Right. There's left tackle. Their, is out their left you. tackle is out. Yes. Their left okay. is gone. Biceps injury. First reported by who? Derek Gunn? Yes. Derek Mike. Gunn reported the injury. Mike Garofolo reported the season-ending surgery. Credit to D. Gunn. Okay. I, I – uh... Yeah, I, I mean, like what a guys. what a performance yes, by D. Gunn. They what take away his blue. Man. They take away Seriously. his blue check mark for some reason, and he's just delivering the goods while he's probably just grilling up steaks and you know sipping a nice drink, doing nothing else. We really should just give him a podcast on this feed <laughs> once a week. Like, do whatever you want. Talk to a player, break some news, talk grilling. That sounds great. I, I would absolutely be in for that. I'll talk to our higher ups. Uh, so, yes, Andre Dillard today in practice suffering the biceps injury uh, that will rob him of his second season. And certainly it looks like the insurance policy at left tackle that was Jason Peters is going to be cashed in. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whether we think this will be the case, but I think all the expectations are it will be Peters at left tackle, Matt Pryor at right guard. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. We wrote about it on The Athletic. Of course, you can subscribe. Uh, theathletic.com slash birds with friends. Call us all in the middle of a drink break. Oh yeah. We, we've had, like. we're, we're not all on the same page. Yeah. I think that's what it's, you know, that makes the most sense. I mean, I, I don't really understand, understand what another alternative would be. What's the point of keeping Jason Peters at right guard when you have a gaping hole at left tackle. So I think there is, is, I think there was some thought that maybe Nate Herbig would get a shot at right guard instead of Matt Pryor, but I, I don't oh, think that's okay. going to be the case. All right. Well, but is there any, uh, and yeah, I mean, otherwise it could be my lot at left tackle and boy, is that going to be a that's, I mean, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Is there, is there any conversation in that building? Like, man, should we try Jordan at left tackle? I don't think so. You guys had the quote from uh, you guys talked about Doug Peterson, and then I went and looked at it, and I thought it was even like more damning than you made it out made it out to be. And uh, you pointed out, well, I mean, you know, how many years in can it be? He, you know, he hasn't played a lot of football. I understand it is true, but in terms of that's one thing. If you're talking about a guy you're still trying to develop and uh, be a backup, it's another. If it's somebody you're saying is going to be your starting left tackle for what you hope is a Super Bowl team. So, uh, you know, Jason Peters, I think last year, his play certainly declined. I thought he was like around an average left tackle. I, I don't know if I'm being generous there, but there's like a lot of bad left tackles out there who get beaten, um, you know, fairly regularly. And certainly I would be concerned about him going up against the top pass rushers in the NFL at this point. Uh, I think in the run game, he certainly can still get it done. I feel like, you know, that year when I did the all 22s with uh, Jeff Schwartz, I mean, he would just point out these like little things that Jason Peters was doing that I would have no idea about. And so that savviness is still there, but 
I mean, the issue to me is twofold. Like if, you know, if uh, you guys talked about it, whether what would give them a better chance to win a game tomorrow, Peters at left tackle or Dillard. And I, you know, Zach, you said Peters, right? Bo, did you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, I agreed with that. Yeah. So I think in the short term, because Dillard's an unknown. I mean, the organization had questions about him. It could have gone in many different ways this year for him. Peters, the two big concerns are one is can he stay healthy at 38 years old? And if you lose him or if you lose another offensive lineman, you're talking about something that I think could potentially just torpedo your season. So that is a giant concern with Brandon Brooks also being out. And then number two is like, if you're getting the Peters from last year, I think, you know, you can live with that. Is he going to give up some sacks and bad plays? Yes, but I think he'll be okay overall. But you are in a situation where his play could certainly decline even more. I mean, was that just the start of a decline last year? And it's going to become very steep this year. Certainly the league spoke and said, you know, no one was willing mm-hmm. to sign him to a big deal, even though a guy like Andrew Whitworth from the Rams got a really nice deal and he's Jason Peter's age. So uh, those are sort of the, the really two big concerns. And it's tough for me to figure out sort of how much uh, overall big picture concern I have uh, with this injury. Yeah, so I think those concerns are are valid when you talk about 2020. Uh, I, I do think that there is a, an intangible benefit to this. When you lose a player and a replacement steps in, when there's a lack of confidence or there's an unknown, I think that affects the players around them. And we've spoken to players before. I think Jason Kelsey might have mentioned this one year when there was kind of instability at guard and he was worried – kind of about like compensating for the players around him. I, I think what Jason Peters means, in the, and, and, and again, if it wasn't Jason Kelsey, I apologize. It was somebody one year when like the left guard situation was in flux and they were overcompensating. Um, but, but in that building, in that locker room, the confidence that they have, the, the respect that they have for Jason Peters, this wouldn't be like if Jordan Maialata went in there or if someone who they sign off the street goes in there, I I think for better or worse, they believe in there um, that or or they have a certain reverence to Jason Peters. My concern with with what happened here is is the long term, and uh, Bo even he took us a, a step further in our beat back and forth when I I said like can the Eagles have confidence in Dillard or 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 are they pushing this back another year in terms of finding out about him and Bo said he didn't even think they could go into next year with like Dillard entrenched at left tackle I don't I mean first of all this um ridiculous notion that Dillard was dominant in camp that was espoused today by someone who has not been at camp for a single day is ridiculous well, I think the more interesting it. part about that is that, uh, you know, some the organization was right. saying that he was. You, you think know, that's the organization, some, uh, or do you think that? I mean, well, he's not saying it. He's not I saying mean, it on his own. He hasn't been here. Yeah. Be? I mean, it could be someone from Dillard's side, you know, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I think you're, I think that's the right read from Shield that this is, uh, you know, he, this is an echo of something that was told to him by the, by the team. And, uh, you know, we have talked about it. Andre Dillard has been like, I'm shrugging my shoulders. He's been okay during camp. He is still getting overpowered by Joe Osman and Josh Sweat. Um, you know, he's still athletic. And and this, like, we, we talked about sort of the 
uh, bizarre gassing up of him after one good rep in one-on-ones. Like I, it, it, they're at least aware of his, uh, you know, his struggles to to sort of maintain confidence last year. But he does not look to me like a starting left tackle, someone that you want to pencil in for years to come. Next year, he will be coming off this injury and having played just a handful of games as a rookie and not looking that great. Uh, he will be 26 years old because they drafted him when he was old. I don't think there's any way that you can go in and say, like, we've got left tackle locked up with Andre Dillard next season. At the very least, they need to bring in somebody who is, you know, capable of being a starting left tackle and hoping that Dillard beats them out. And that's part of the problem in this is is because when they were going to Dillard, I don't think the the estimation uh, on their part was that Dillard is like unequivocally the better option than, than Jason Peters. I think it was more, we need to start the clock on this, that they made the investment in the first round and they need to sink or swim with him. They need to see what he can do. Uh, and so now if you're pushing that clock back a year, then it, it really from, it puts the organization in a different window. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about like, you, you, at least you'll have some answers. Well, they're not going to have answers uh, with Dillard. And then as for Peters, the thing that, uh, that worries me most of all is, you know, we talked about sort of worrying about um, him moving to right guard being sort of the precursor to an injury because he'd been preparing his body to play left tackle for so long that like the using the muscles the other way on the right side might lead to an injury. Well, now he's, ping pong and back to left tackle this is a guy who has you know struggled to stay healthy at times before now he hasn't missed a ton of games in the seasons that he hasn't suffered a season-ending injury uh but he's you know we know that he's missed portions of games um and i think there's a very good possibility i mean if you're being realistic this guy's 38 years old there's a very good chance he's not going to play a whole season and after jason peters the picture at left tackle now is very dim. It seems to me like they are, you know, they really are all of a sudden one injury away from things being very dark along the offensive line. But to your first point, they're not necessarily like exhausting him at right guard this year. I mean, he had a, ve- That's true. a, a veteran maintenance day on the first day in pads. So, I, yeah, I just so, mean it's sort of <laughs> like, like they're, you know, it, it, yeah. he's been, he's been like yeah, in and out. He's at, taken he, like three, he's taken like three live. Yeah. I've or, always yeah. said participating in practice can only lead <laughs> yeah. to bad things. Yes. I mean, he's got nothing to change with muscle memory. <laughs> You know, he's hung out in a couple of meetings. He's taken a couple of reps. I think he'll be able to uh, to go right back there. But I think the point about learning about some of these backups is sort of an interesting one, even looking ahead to next year. You know, you're going to – you could potentially have more information on whether it's Mylata or uh, Jack Driscoll uh, or uh, Prince Tega Winogo. Yes. Yep. Winogo. Uh, so like uh, these guys may have to play Matt Pryor. I mean, you're so a lot of these young offensive linemen and to the Eagles credit and to Howie Roseman's credit, they've had success uh, finding offensive linemen on day three of the draft. Jeff Stoutland has done a good job developing them. And so, you know, not that this is like a good thing by any means, but you, you know, it's sort of a byproduct that you're going to get information on which of these young guys can play, how they do when they're thrown into the fire. It could certainly mean bad news for uh, this season. It could be, wow, you really found something and this guy was a great find. And now we have multiple options going into uh, next season. So there's sort of all these balls in the air that they need to uh, need to juggle because I think you're right. I mean, the odds of like the prior 
Peters, Lane Johnson, uh, Kelsey Sayamalu offensive line, like starting all, you know, playing mm-hmm. all 16 games together is very slim. And so it's now is a question of, well, who's going to be the first backup to be called on? Are there going to be two backups that are called on beyond what we just talked about? And how do those guys perform? In their defense, though, I mean, those are all valid questions. But in, in their defense, if you're down to your third string left tackle, like I can't imagine there are a lot of teams in this league who feel comfortable about plan C at left tackle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying you're going to find out. You're going to, have to oh, yes, find yes, out about find out. Yeah. Yeah. Depth wise. I mean, starter wise, they've been in better shape than most offensive lines in the NFL, even with this, you know, losing, losing your uh, pro bowl, all pro right guard and your starting left tackle uh, that would already torpedo a lot of seasons, you know, honestly around the league, when you look at the state of some of these other offensive lines, maybe it will for the Eagles, but they're, I feel like they're better a better place to withstand it than a lot of other teams. Uh, it may be unfair to ask this question because, uh, you know, like a biceps injury seems sort of kind of fluky, but does this change how you view the Dillard selection uh, just in general? No, I, I'm a believer as, uh, as you guys know, and as we talked about at draft time, judge it at draft time. What, you know, what did you think at the time about the use of resources, the Didn't player position? Uh, at the time, and uh, I thought it was fine. I don't remember Bo crushing it, but he, he has said since that he did crush it. So I don't know. We might. I have didn't to, uh... crush it. Okay. As much I thought as you I were wanted, fine with that. As much as I wanted to crush it. Um, well, no, that doesn't count then. It's whatever. You, well, I was the I position what value. You wanted to it was do. the position value. Like the, I, I respected that they were getting a year ahead of it at left tackle. Theoretically, I didn't like the player, and I didn't like the value. You and didn't I wanted like them the to player? take. No, and I wanted them to take Hollywood Brown with that pick. Oh, I thought you liked the player. I mean, he was, I thought he was the consensus. Did not like the player. Old, what didn't you? Oh, okay. Old and weak. All right. If there's an enterprising listener who wants to uh, go back and listen to the tape of the draft, what year was that? 17? No, no, that was 19. 18. 18. No, it was 19. 19. 19. 19. Oh, 19. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> How old are you disaster. guys? You can't I'm a disaster. I'm very old. Than- I was actually thinking about this earlier today that, um, you know, Marissa, when she comes on, is, is very nice, but she really crushed us with the one comment uh, last time when we did the video pod. And I asked, like, you're drinking coffee at this hour? And she was basically like, I'm not old like you guys. Listen, I can handle, like, I can handle I, coffee at five o'clock. My life's not going to fall apart. I meant that, like, I don't have to wake up with kids at seven mm. o'clock in the morning. You know, Listen, it was a, I thought it was a valid <laughs> yeah, stick with I it as giving you credit. Yeah, yeah no, it was a good job. <laughs> For some reason that randomly popped into my, uh, into my head earlier. But um, yeah, yeah. If somebody wants to listen to the 2019 uh, draft, 2019 wait so zach is that yeah. zach was not with us or zach no, was not yet, not yet. No. he was not yet zach wasn't born yet i oh, i I, <laughs> no, I i accept the job on june 11th okay all right mm. i i'm not surprised that you know the exact date of that right. well, yes yeah so someone right. to go listen to that and uh let us know if uh bo uh, how down he was on it and i'm sure we have draft grades that we could probably look up pretty easily from that. so uh, yeah so what i would say about the dillard pick then is is i i agree with what Shield said you know that uh you're a year ahead on it it's it's a premium position it's a player who's who's dropping my critique of it as more information has 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 filtered out is that they didn't do enough work on him. And, you know, there was the anecdote that they even said on draft weekend that Jeff Stoutland called him that, that, that morning 
um, you know, to, to kind of find out more about him. And I, I think it was one of those things that uh, as, as they were putting contingencies together, the idea that he could drop started to maybe kind of come to their mind, but they didn't put the work in on him that let's say they did for their wide receivers in this year's class, if that makes sense. I don't know. My, I don't know what the answer is. My understanding is different than that. Okay. It's that they, it's that they felt like they knew all the concerns that, uh, you know, sort of manifested themselves uh, with him as a rookie. And they thought uh, that, you know, it was still someone they could work with. And in terms of getting a young left tackle, there weren't going to be, you know, he was the most attractive option. And they felt like between the coaching from Jeff Stoutland, the veterans in the room, that they would be able to overcome uh, some of the potential challenges. But I mean, you never, uh, you never know for sure with that kind of thing. Well, you brought Marissa into the conversation. And so now it's time to answer uh, the question that I think all of our listeners have been waiting to get asked. Uh, Marissa, why don't you why don't you hit that bad boy? All right. Well, I want to start by saying the fact that both of you requested this, <laughs> and I would not share it with you beforehand. I mean, you could have done the work and went back and listened, but here, here we oh, go. Oh, I did listen both to it. Both of you so did I. So did I. Yeah, so did if I. Jason Peters is a starting left tackle for this team in 2020, barring you know like Dillard getting injured in the offseason or something. Like they're choosing to have him over healthy Dillard. I will buy both of you. Pasta physios once a week mm. next season. Yeah, I don't if think he doesn't, happen. you guys just have to buy me pasta physios once the whole no, season. I'm not, you don't want that at 16 to 1. That's 16 to 1. I'll make that deal. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what? Actually, 16 to 1 odds. I'll yeah, take 16 to 1 odds. I think that, those are okay. good odds. I'll take that deal. I'll, I'll take that. I'm safe, baby. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa, get out! What do you? I couldn't have been more clear. He is safe. What are you talking he is about? Safe. He said barring injury. I agree. Yeah. And he said barring injury, but in the off season, it's no. not really the off season. And and no, but and I, we I, don't I, know. Dillard was having a bad camp. We don't well, know that, that they don't have know. chosen Jason Peters over and on over a healthy Andre Dillard. But, they, but we will not get to know. And so this I think might be like second. a suspended game where where DraftKings takes it off the board and refunds your money. <laughs> you know. That, that second sentence saved me where I said they're choosing Peters over a healthy Dillard. Now, to be honest, uh, Ed, this will not surprise you. I forgot the term. I forgot what I had said. And so uh, all day, as all of you were tweeting at me as this went down, and I appreciate that, saying even Bo is saying, you know, he hopes my biceps can handle uh, carrying the bags of pasta physios uh, to you guys. And other people were uh, tweeting. I was like, oh, man, I am screwed here. But then I went back. Uh, in this text, in this uh, in this message thread with Marissa, when I first asked her to play that clip um, back in July, and I listened to it, and I couldn't have been clear that I'm safe. Well, wait, but, I wanted, I wanted, I did a little uh, more digging while we were. Oh, 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 gosh. oh, oh no. this is an enterprise. Oh, this is an uh, I don't know well, about uh, this. I, Cancel the pod. <laughs> I found your grades for the oh, Dillard. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh. All right, so Sheil, you gave it a B. I liked it. Yeah. And, Dillard? and yep. And Bo, okay. you gave it a B plus. I didn't follow my, uh, I actually, producer in the history of I actually remember this, uh, because I didn't, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't man. follow my, I will share uh, the story like I had, with you guys. I had Dillard on the players I didn't like, but I, uh, I went for process over player. Oh, that is, but you liked it more than I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, outstanding. Now can you find wait Marissa, can you go to the next day and get our JJ Ortega Whiteside grades, please? I'm on the I don't I don't lie about it. I like JJ Ortega Whiteside. I like what I've seen from him in camp this summer. Yeah, the jury's not done on that one. I Listen. went all the way. I, I did all the work to find out that uh I want I wanted to do a quattro formaggi uh, 64 times since I was gonna get him 16 weeks a sesanta quattro for maji and then uh you know the other thing is you didn't it wasn't really 16 to 1 because you said for every game so if it had gone to the playoffs it could have been a setanta due for maji but what if okay but what are the odds peters was going to stay healthy that whole time oh, good point all right you want those grades too sure she'll uh, be yeah okay <laughs> bow B minus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, yeah, I know. I'm not strong enough on my takes on draft night. are not strong enough. You got to go in like I did with Goddard. I mean, yeah. I just said I'm gonna go in on this. I know. I should have. I should have crushed that one. We did uh, crush Hertz. I guess that was the only time we've ever really gone outside the B spectrum. Yeah. Now he's gonna turn into Russell Wilson, and uh, that one's not gonna look great either. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was that was easily my favorite podcast moment of 2020 so far. No, that was pretty good. Um, all right, Sheila, you uh, you did get to go see practice today. What did you What did you think? What stood out to you? All right, let me go uh, go through here. I I don't know what made me um, think of this. I must have been checking my Twitter, but I wrote it down as a podcast note. Uh, old white reporters reporting a contract <laughs> saying "secure the bag" with emoji. <laughs> Like really, get out of here! Did that I happen? Mean, at, did that happen at? Practice? I don't know. It's possible it happened six months ago. It popped into my head down on your as they were stretching. But I mean, really, like okay. we don't need your bags emojis. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah, uh, or like, uh, oh man, look at uh, you know, look at Cam Newton smiling at practice. He's a whole mood. Uh, we we talk, I feel like we talked about the mood on like the second mm. thing and I had no idea what it is. Uh, I still, yeah, am not a fan of that. Now you guys were talking quite a bit about, by the way, Zach was at practice too, Zach. I mean, I don't, you were paid as much. I don't, I don't want this to be. Well, a, yeah, you got the I'm fresh eyes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, fresh right. yeah. Okay. Uh, you guys were talking about Nikel, uh, Roby Coleman yeah. and, uh, yeah, he, you know, I, he continues to be very sticky in coverage. I feel like he knows some savvy vet moves where he grabs a little jersey. He knows that's not going to get uh, called. So I will play sort of devil's advocate here and say, mm -hmm. if he's a top five slot corner, why did he, what was it, a one-year, $1.5 million yeah, contract? Yeah. Okay, so I think we should just look at that. I agree. He looks great. He looks the part. All the, you know, metrics people think he played really well. Last year, the team's high on him, but, you know, that just gives you pause. Justin Coleman. Yeah, and it's not like – go ahead. No, Justin Coleman signed with the Lions, I think, two off-seasons ago, yeah. thought to be one of the best slot corners, and he got $9 million a year. Now, it's the Lions, but, um, you know, right. there is some very – he's a little there. older, but it's not – yeah, it's not It's not like the, the Eagles are in on this secret that nickel corners matter that no one else knows about. Like, no, right. but I, I think, yeah. yeah, the market was a little more depressed this off-season – Number one, and just because true. of twenty, That's, just because of twenty twenty being what it is, I, as depressing a year as it is. <laughs> well, it was down this off season, and the Eagles. I, I don't think the Eagles went into the off season planning on him because it was one of those things where as he was hanging around in the market. Uh, Roby Coleman said that he was planning on on signing elsewhere, and then the Eagles called out of nowhere uh, with an offer. So mm. as I love a call out of nowhere. Yeah. So as as he lingered on the market, that's when the Eagles got involved. Okay. That reminds me, Sheil. Uh, I did want to hear your stance on being around 
happy people? Well, I feel like this is a uh, it's a complex one for me because I, I do hate being around miserables. Now, some would mm. describe me, but as you guys have said, you know, I'm a uh, I feel like I'm a selective miserable. I mean, you put me around strangers, and I'm and they're gonna probably leave that interaction thinking I had the time of my life, and then I'm gonna go home and comp- tell my wife like how God that guy oh, was that's so the annoying. Best. And man, then why was this person talking my ear off? And so that's- easily, easily one of the, you know, top five best things about marriage is just talking smack on people you just spent, <laughs> spent hours about hours with. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I can argue with that. Uh, I think that's one of your better takes. <laughs> that's a good one. So, uh, no, I would say I would prefer, I mean, I like the middle ground, you know, I don't like someone who's over the top, uh, but I, I certainly would prefer the happy person, I think, to the, um, person whining i just don't want I don't, yeah well yeah i don't want to be around i don't want to be around that person either i just you know the uh the happy for the sake of happy without anything behind it as you know as a as a view can get a little grating i mean i would say i thought when zach said well you don't like being around me and you kind of you know backtracked a little bit like i would say zach among the people i've known is probably the guy who's like the most enthusiastic mm-hmm upbeat person when he walks into a room of anyone i've known maybe, I, maybe zach's I, winning me over i've never gotten annoyed yeah i haven't gotten annoyed by zach it's a it's a genuine uh fervor for life i appreciate that yeah okay so well i'm sure we can uh, revisit that uh <laughs> one day i'll we- give you my favorite um uh annoying other couple story well, I look forward to that. We can do a whole uh, podcast on that bad boy. Okay. Uh, early on, Deshaun Jackson, uh, I don't know if I want to say toasted Darius Slay. Certainly yeah. beat him yeah. on a deep post. Great throw by – I thought Carson Wentz – I thought this was like – this practice was sort of the whole Carson Wentz experience. I mean, early on, I'm writing down, wow, what a, what a deep ball. He had a great throw to Jalen Rager on a slant in traffic in the red zone. And then he had a couple like misfires here and there. And I, I feel like – you know, that, that's sort of, um, the entire went experience, but yeah, what did you, what did you make of that, uh, that play of Deshaun beating Slayer? Well, I was going to say, I, I had to leave practice about halfway through and I saw on Twitter, all these raves about Darius Slay breaking up a pass deep yeah, there was... against Deshaun Jackson, like down the field. Like he gave up a long touchdown to him like 20 minutes ago in seven on seven. So he's one for two and one of them a touchdown. That's not, that's <laughs> yeah, not so our, the guy. Our, our readers will see this in the observations, which will come out on Friday. Um, but as, as, as Bo said, he, he kind of took the first part. I, I took the second part of, of, of practice and I put in there 1153. If we're going to write about the times Darius Slay is beat, we should also acknowledge the times he's step for step. Uh, and, I guess. and so there was this one play in team when Carson pumped to the left side through deep right and uh, Slay was was with him step for step and had the pass break up. It was very nice coverage down the sideline for sure. So uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what they're going to get from this guy. I, I know I wasn't in favor of the trade. I know when I did the big, big breakdown and watched uh, the film and looked into the numbers, I had certainly concerns about signing that guy who was 29 years old. The tackling was an issue. I, I don't know. It's tough for me to say. I mean, there there certainly are times when he's getting burned. I guess if you want to look at the flip side of that, it's that Deshaun Jackson still moves at a at a speed that is unlike anybody else the Eagles he have really does. Uh, on the field. It's incredible sort of at his age. Uh, I was watching Mark Emanuel like a lot today. This okay. guy has like more juice than any assistant coach I can remember with them. I mean, he is an intense guy. Yeah. 
I like, every, I like a market. Every play, he's saying something now. Uh, I think it could work out really well. I think if things go badly, man, they're gonna. I would not want to be a, a defensive back <laughs> in in his room. He he wasn't pulling punches. Um, I mean, he was taking those reps very seriously. Like they are uh, playoff style reps. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just thought he, he's like an entertaining guy to watch during uh, during practice there. So that was something. And he was that- right in front of us today too. It was right in front of us, yeah. So I guess it was the the best view we had. I mentioned Wentz had a great throw to Jalen Rager, and it was Rager, you know, it was in traffic, a slant. I I don't know if – I think the defense was in zone. You're about to – I know they weren't hitting at the time, but it's still a tough catch in traffic. And so I thought uh, that was good. I liked what I saw from uh, Jalen Rager for sure today. Does, Does Jim Schwartz call Duke Riley Butch? (laughs) <laughs> I haven't heard that. All right. I haven't heard that. All right. I wasn't sure. Uh, he was talking to somebody. I, I feel you sure like that was a you. <laughs> uh, yes. It took me a second. I was like, <laughs> I was like, huge. No, wait, what? No. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so Schwartz I, has had some very funny one-liners from the from the sideline this summer. Well, there was a play. I felt like he was getting on Duke Riley, but it was in a way like you're my guy. I think he said like, if you can't do this, I'm gonna need a new linebacker. But it was in a way that's like you know, I really like this guy and want him to be my linebacker. So that's, you know, we know Schwartz as his guys. That's mm-hmm. something to keep, keep an eye on whether uh, Duke Riley is one of his guys. I I'll say that- I've been, I, I've, I've been impressed with TJ Edwards this summer. Okay. Um, even in, like, you know, it's, it's uh, not full speed, but I just, I really do just like him as a linebacker more than Duke Riley. I think he's got a better chance of holding up. All right. Uh, Craig James, I thought, had some up and down moments. He had a really nice pass break up on a fade. He had another play that he gave up that uh, Manuel was not. Uh, I like was, a Craig James. Was not happy about. Yeah, you love him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that they love him. Um, no, I don't think they love him either. Okay. Or should they? But I'm, I mean, they certainly don't love a Sidney Jones. And I'm not sure that they like Rasul much better. Well, I'm, all right. So I have. I'm, Go ahead, Zach. I'm curious, Shield, because he gave up that touchdown to John Hightower. Uh, when, when high, it, it was, it was the jump what ball in catch. the end zone and Manuel was like all over, uh, he was. James for that. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what's, what's James supposed to do? I mean, Hightower, Hightower's a 38 and a half inch vertical and, and yeah. got up over him and made the catch. I mean, it's like if someone posts me up in, in, in three on three, like, 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 what do you want me to do on it? You know, yeah, there's there's a direct correlation to Manuel's reaction there and me saying I'm not sure that they love they <laughs> love uh, Craig James. I think that was what was sticking out in my head. You're right. I mean, Hightower, I, I was making fun of Poe earlier for the uh, rookie class thing, but uh, Hightower has been impressive. I mean, I've, only, I've been out there for three practices, but he has done things that I haven't seen a lot of the young, um, young wide receivers uh do in the past and so uh i don't know you, you certainly can see the upside there for sure and sydney yes yeah, sydney jones i mean i don't know what's the deal he was in pads but he was literally jogging on a side field for like the entire practice i mean i don't know how yeah, many miles that guy jogged today <laughs> they were just like i don't know if he was waiting for someone to tell him to stop it was, but... it was him and marcus epps right <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, it felt like he hasn't practiced. Yeah, um, so it's been like a full week now, right? All right, I have a Rasul Douglas take here. Why, okay. why can Rasul Douglas? Why can't he be your third safety? I mean, I watch him today, and I'm thinking this guy has every skill you would want to be like that Corey Graham role. I mean, he was in the <laughs> he was in the goal line drills. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's been a great, fantastic tackler 
since he's gotten into any games. Why would you good want ball that? skills? Yeah. He's got good ball skills. He can certainly keep up with tight end. Like, why wouldn't you want him as your? I feel like he could be a tight end, uh, like a t- shutdown tight end type defensive back. It's crazy because it's like this is the thing that fans have been clamoring for since the day he was drafted. Like, this guy's a future safety. Yeah, this guy's a future safety, and they have needed that in the past, and they just will never do it. They, they have absolutely no interest in doing it, never moving him from the outside. I don't know, I don't know why that is, why he's never even been given a shot there, but it's, it's not coming here. There is like an organizational hubris to this because Jalen Mills, uh, this conversation had been taking place in the past with Mills. Like, why don't you try him in the slot? Why don't you try him at safety? And it was like, no, Jalen's an outside corner. And then all of a sudden they have this like like five years in they have this great idea let's try Jalen Mills at safety you know um, <laughs> he did it at LSU yeah, yeah exactly fine. yeah it's like, but but five years ago but but like when you go back you can literally find transcripts where it where the the questions are about playing Mills in the slot or playing Mills at at safety uh, I believe the question came up about Mills at safety when uh, McLeod got hurt in 2018. And um, Jim Schwartz is like, no, he's 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 my corner, you know. Uh, so I agree with you. They just they they kind of get things pigeonholed. They they pigeonhole a player in their head, and then they have no variation thereafter. I don't get it. I mean, there were there were plays. To, he's making plays today. Uh, like, and, and just we've seen him in games. We it's very defined what his strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, yeah, you don't want him covering a fast wide receiver. On the outside, chances are that guy's going to run by him. There's a very easy way to capitalize on the things he does well. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I mean, he seems like a, I mean, he's into every drill. He's like enthusiastic. He seems like a guy you would want on your team. Like, you yeah. know, he's not like a bad locker room guy or anything. He hasn't had a bad injury history, right? I mean, he's been pretty no, yeah, he's very uh, competitive. Durable. He's very tough. Like, yeah. Like, why can't you, uh, this seems like a situation where you look at the skills of what a guy could do. And if you want to do this positionless stuff, like if you're facing a team that has a really good pass catching tight end, I don't know that there's a guy, I mean, is Will Parks going to be better than him? Is Jalen, I mean, maybe well, there's, a, there's one guy, be? there's one guy who's better. Okay. Elijah Riley. Elijah Riley, right? Uh, he's in your Michael Jacket Hall of Fame. These did guys you? Did, are, you guys did give you no watch explanation him today? about who these guys are. Did you watch him today? I every day, bit. every okay. day, he's killing it. All right, so uh, that was he's my. Not, he, he stopped. Uh, he 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 read uh, a quick screen to Deshaun Jackson. They were going up against the or a swing pass to Deshaun. Got off the Greg Ward block and made a play for like a two yard gain. Fantastic. Deontay Burnett had the catch. If it wasn't for you know Hightower's mm. catch was great, but Deontay Burnett I missed, had the catch, I missed catch this of the catch. day. Tell right, me about Zach? This catch. Yes. Would and, you agree, Zach? Yeah, and, and actually, I wrote down in my notebook that it was Deshaun at first, um, which is, I guess is a compliment to Burnett. But yeah, made this 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 great catch or an insult to Deshaun. <laughs> um, and was so excited he threw his helmet. It would have been a 50 yeah. yard penalty. In the game. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, his reaction was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, he, threw, he snapped your helmet off. He was so pumped. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It, it was the most fire, maybe the most fiery reaction I've seen from Mercy. And it wasn't like, a touchdown, right? Well, you should have seen like the middle. The, it was just along the sideline. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it, it was, well, it he, was, so he did this the other day. He made this fantastic catch. Uh, on a third and long with two guys right on him. And then he, get, he, he gets up 
and does the, you know, the sort of the LeBron James, like uh, push down with both arms, like, and then pumping his chest. Yeah. And then, and everyone on the defense is like, there's nobody out here, Deontay. <laughs> <laughs> like, the offense. So I love that uh, he doubled down. I, yeah, I will give him credit. It was a great catch. I mean, he skied for it he's over Craven LeBlanc and had some great, really great catches. This great body great. control uh, near the sideline. And uh, the offensive players were really juiced for him. I mean, everybody was coming over, like veteran, like Jason Peters was coming over to. Uh, to congratulate him. So, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic. He's been great. I think you can play. really make a case that he deserves to make the team over Greg Ward. Mm, interesting. Uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside is fascinating to me because I get the sense from you guys who have been there every day that no one wants to go all in on it, but everyone sort of consensus is this guy's been good. I thought he looked good today. And I think if you're looking for a, well, there's two things. I mean, one is I thought he was pretty good last summer, you know? So it's like, you sort yes. of felt like he had some of this in him, but my big thing watching film on him during last season, and I think I said this many times, was that it just felt like he was playing slow, that he was so uncertain about what to do. And, you know, not that he's ever going to be a burner, but you could just sort of see the hesitation in his play. And so if there's a guy like that and it's another year in the scheme and it's a wide receivers coach who knows what he's doing and, you know, he's built up some of his confidence, like there's a formula there for a bounce back, even if he doesn't live up to that second round pick billing, that he can be a, you know, a, a competent contributing uh, wide receiver. I liked what he said, you know, in the piece that, uh, that Zach wrote on the athletic, like, I mean, totally accountable for how he played last year, had no, wasn't making excuses. And so, um, I don't know, maybe it's because I, uh, had dinner with his family in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And, and, whiff, you know, whiff. you kind of uh, root for, you know, sort of in your head, you're like, Oh, you know, you can tell how much, um, they're rooting for him and, you know, want to feel good about it. But, um, I don't know. You, I like things, him personally. Yeah. The things much. you would have wanted to see from him in camp, at least you're saying, right. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. I okay. don't like him that much as a player, but. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. Cold water all over. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see here. All right. High road, high tower, tremendous contested catch on a slot fade. First James, sideline explodes. We got to that. Uh, all right. I got my Rasul take. Holyfield was getting a ton of work today. Uh, they had a very nice schemed up touchdown from the goal line where the tight end went in motion and the defense was totally confused and he just kind of walked in there. Uh, I think Will Parks described what they were doing with those motions as uh, funny AS for our, mm. you know young listeners, which I thought was okay. a it's like a great description for it. Funny he's as that's like, like a, that's he, how you say things in Australia. He's like, like oh, it's funny he, as, bro. Watch out, they're doing this funny AS. So mm. anyway, all right, those were my notes. Well, tell me about this Greg Ward throw. Yeah, so it was a, just a, it was a pass to JJ. I think a white side on an end around the Greg Ward and. Uh, uh, I'll do it. That's when you put it. That's when you put in there just so because because you know the reporters are going to tweet it. I so was just thinking that you know a second ago Washington's I was hesitant. Radar. Yeah, I was hesitant to talk about it because I didn't know. I didn't know if we were like, allowed if, to either. Yeah, but but I think you're right. I mean, they know all the reporters are there, so they probably want it out there. That uh, I saw well, tweets about it. So so okay. two right. can you name to use the uh, Bo mm. Wolf thing? Uh, I'll just say who uh, I I would say who can name the four no, can, non-quarterbacks. Yeah. Who have thrown Ooh. a pass in the uh, in the Doug Peterson era? Okay, including the playoffs, including the playoffs. Trey Burton. Yes, well, that's the easy one. Nelson Aguilar. Yes. 
that was week one of the 2018 season, yes. right? Yes, correct. Um, are they? Can you tell me? Are they all from 2017 on, or is there a 2016? There was one, one? last season, and there was one in 2016. No. Oh, oh, Jake Elliott. Yes, correct. And you won't get 2016 because you weren't covering it. Okay. Well, let me let me get. Can you tell me if it was an offensive player? It was offensive player. Okay, I'm gonna guess. He wore number 13. I got, got, got no chance here. Uh, Josh Huff. Yes, correct. Oh, yes. Uh, well done. Right. So those are the, good. and that can be found in our observations tomorrow. I mean, I am very concerned for Zach. Maybe it's because you spent, you've been spending so much time around Bo. <laughs> I mean, we're an hour 19 <laughs> into a pod at 1030 at night. And you just brought up a toucan you <laughs> about which guy threw what I don't know. I wasn't really listening, but uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys have gotten to spend time together, but I'm also, uh, I think it's time for a little bit of a break here after the, uh, the final two. Well, hours. we're due. We're going to, we're supposedly going to have practice Saturday and Sunday. And after that, you know, I may not see Zach in person for a while No, well, at the games. We'll see each other at the games. Yeah. Once yeah. a week. Yeah. Most likely. But yeah, that's not quality time. Speaking, We're watching. Uh, uh, speaking of, of games, about? that's great time. Yeah, speaking of games, I, sh- I should say something here. The Eagles announced. Oh yeah, we got to talk about this. Uh, the Eagles announced today that uh, there will not be any fans at the stadium uh, until further notice. So they also there was a write up and uh, on the team website where they said that they presented different scenarios to lawmakers or to, to uh, I should say, to government officials. And uh, the government officials decided that there will be no fans. Thanks, but no thanks. Yes. So yeah. I don't know yeah. how, how long until further notices, but I would imagine you're looking at least the first two games of the season and probably much more thereafter. But I say first two games because that's September. Well, a piece that will be uh, coming out on The Athletic, I think next week where I sort of looked mm. at um, home field advantage. I did a piece like this last uh, right. last Isn't year. Similar I, to the Ben Baldwin piece? It is. Okay. Uh, I, did, uh, I did a thing where I went sort of team by team. To, I mean, we don't know if home, how real sort of home field advantage is, but just to sort of, I think it's fun to look at, you know, like which sure. teams have really benefited uh, from it. And the Eagles ranked eighth in terms of this over the last five years in terms of how much better they've been at the difference in their home performance and their uh, away performance. So they would, you know, potentially be a team to uh, lose, lose out on not having home field advantage. But what was interesting about this was that their offense ranked 31st, meaning that their offense has actually been better away from the link Mm-hmm. than at the link, which, you know, if you've attended games at the link and maybe you've participated in some booing or jeers after yeah. uh, an early three and out, I don't know if it has anything to do with it or not, but their defense has been second. So they've gotten the second, their defense has gotten the second biggest boost at home versus playing on the road, which is something we've talked about throughout the, the entire Jim Schwartz era. So yeah, uh, DFOP uh, Sunset Shaz wrote that up for, for the athletic. And I guess it has, it has maintained over the past uh, year plus. It has, yes. So there you go. Uh, okay, let's close with a uh, a turkeys to the kingdom that we what? were. Uh, it's one question. It's one Why? question. It's one question that we got we got from uh, from a listener. Right. Uh, 
and put place your turkeys on who's going to finish the season as the Eagles left tackle. Jason Peters, Jordan Malata, Prince Tego Winogo, Jack Driscoll, and other. Like the last game of the season. Yeah, who st- who starts the last game of the season? Jason Peters. You're going 100. percent You're going 100 turkeys. On oh, Peters? sorry. I, 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 was... I think I think he's just over the game. <laughs> no, I, which, I, I, um, I didn't know I had to split up my turkeys. Sign. Um, I would go uh, Peters 60. I'll go with uh, Mylata 25 and Winogo. No way. And Winogo 15. Okay. No, wow, I, you're giving nothing for anything else. I'm going those three. Okay. Yes. yes. I'll go my lot of one. <laughs> wow. yeah. Oh, no, wait. I'll go my lot of two. Other one. Uh, Peter's 61. Mm. Eh, it's cheap. I'll go. I'll go 60 with Zach. Uh, I, I feel like the other two guys might have a better shot at it than, uh, I don't know. Am I uh, Prince Tega? I don't know. Who do you think? If I would if go Jason Prince Tega. P- Let's say Jason Peters gets. But injured. what are you talking about? You would go Prince Tega. You just went my lot of over. <laughs> no, I'm saying if I was the coach, I would go Prince oh, Tega. No. But I'm saying they have gone with my lot as as the backup left tackle this year. So I'm I'll worried go. that we might be gazing up Prince Tega a little bit too much. Maybe. I mean, I, I think know. he looks good, but Probably. maybe that's just because he's working with the threes. I, how can you put my lot out there as a starter? You can't put him out there. You can't put him out there. So I'm just this by default. So Okay, well, yeah, well, I think the other, uh, you know, it could be Matt Pryor. It could be somebody they sign. Oh, interesting. And, I mean, and, there's, and you guys both... there's literally no one to sign, I well, think. I mean, I looked at my top 100 list. Yeah, I think, okay. you know, never discount other. You guys both well, put cold uh, water on my Lane Johnson idea. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Okay. I don't know. If, if Peters goes down, you think that's crazy? Like they have like five guys who can play right tackle though. I think they've had chances to move Lane to the left side. There's, I, I think there, I think there's no reason to do that. Okay. I mean, just if if you think like you can play Driscoll right tackle or you can play Prior at right tackle, um, you know, and, but but you're not comfortable with them on the left side because you don't know if they have the foot if they have the foot speed, and you're confident Lane can can just do it if if he needed to. I I would say other than you know to both point about you can trade or whatever i would say other than uh quarterback this is the this would be the hardest position in the nfl to fill mm. right now because there i mean the the need outweighs the uh the demand sure. outweighs the supply in a big way and they're like they're like teams when i'm doing those previews that they would lar- they would very much benefit from having a better left tackle on their team right now without injury and so um we're just looking at how much money uh, Vitae got. Alapulavati Vitae is not walking through that door. Hmm. That's, that's right. right. All right. Well, I'll give mine uh, uh, 20 to other, 63 to Peters, uh, 10 to Driscoll, 5 to Winogo, and 2 to Mylotta. See, I, I, I guarantee you what's, what's going to happen is like Bo is going to bring up something. He's going to bring up my Mylotta answer three months from now. And I'm gonna be like, this. This was 10:38 on Thursday night, an hour 26 minutes into the podcast. Uh, no, he's he's gonna lie about his take. <laughs> yeah, and, you're, 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 mm. and you're and you're gonna debut your own, uh, Marissa. Can you play that clip? <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> listen. I've been listening to the intro to this podcast for so long. I thought I thought we were not supposed to get called on our old takes. <laughs> well, no one's I, listening. I thought you were gonna point out that Zach is still not in the. Uh, well, in we there. Are, That's we the bigger problem. Okay. 
We All might right. have some developments on that front. What a ridiculous podcast. Good night. Okay. Uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Uh, I don't know if we'll be back for the Saturday, Sunday practices. You know, just check your podcast feed. You know how these things work. Let's just so for, let's let's come back Monday. If if uh, yeah, we'll review my kind of co-host. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm saying I, mean, it. I like if, it. I like what it. What happens if uh, we get another injury? If Sunday's our last day of practice, then 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 let's get some material for the week next week you know let's let's uh let's just go on monday next week listen i mean i'm trying to look out for our listeners <laughs> and you're here trying to shirk your work responsibilities i can assure you that's not the case i th- I, I really thought that you were more committed than that <laughs> uh, Sheila, i expect that from but i'm, that- I'm just trying to scatter i know that's right now i said good night like five minutes ago so. <laughs> all right i'm just gonna <laughs> unplug my mic and head <laughs> all right Uh, Well, for Sheil, Zach, and Marissa, thank you for listening. And as always, we love you.